I've got Tamlin backstage that we, and I'm going to bring her on for you all to um, get to know her a bit now. Hi, Tamlin. Hello. Thank you very much. <laughs> Tamrin from South Africa. Um, it's great to have you on here. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, what time is it in South Africa at the moment? It is 9pm. So, so we are two hours ahead of the UK. Oh, wow. So it's quite late there. So you'll be ready for bed after you finish this. I'm guessing. No, no problem, Luke. Us, uh, us crusade evangelists are night owls, so we, we used to going into the evening, and we are evening preachers. It's actually very odd for us if we preach while the sun's still shining. We find it terribly awkward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that in Nigeria. It was always dark when we left the crusade site. Um, from, from being in Nigeria, uh, that's probably one of my main experiences of the Crusade gospel campaigns, and uh, I hope we can get into a bit of that tonight as well, because you're you're experiencing that area and and, and you you bring the fire in that area. So I'm gonna I'm gonna draw some questions out of you tonight about the gospel campaigns that you do. But tell me, please, just tell us a bit about you, your family, and, and what you're doing at the moment. Well, look, I'm a, a simple crusade evangelist. So my, my husband and I head up an organization called Innocent Ministries. Um, we are all registered in South Africa, Ethiopia, the UK, um, and in the US. Um, and our passion and our purpose is to win Africa for Jesus um, through mass crusades. Um, so we hold crusades across Africa at the moment. Um, our focus is our Ethiopia and South Africa. Um, so that is where we are holding our crusades at present. Um, and we just want to see tens of thousands saved um, and catapulted out of the kingdom of darkness into the arms of our wonderful Jesus. Um, so we are a, on, are a simple ministry. Um, they, they are not, not much frills or fluff about us. Um, we just preach Jesus. Um, we live to make him known, um, and we live to preach him to those who have been trapped in darkness for so long that they have forgotten what the light even looks like. Um, so that is us in a, in a nutshell. Fantastic. And that is, uh, I'll pop that up for people to be able to visit that in his name dot global, uh, in his name dot global. And if you visit that website, there's something I read on the website, Tamron, when I clicked on there and it says our world needs Jesus uh, and I absolutely love that I think it's on one of the about pages on there and it, it just stood out to me our world needs Jesus and that's mm -hmm. such a simple truth and I, I mean when I when I looked at it, it just hit me in the face how simple is that how true is that one statement right there um, our world needs Jesus Amen I, I mean I, I studied law straight out of school you know, I've got into a four-year law degree. We call them LLB degrees, you know, in, in South Africa. Um, you know, and the Lord called me out of law, you know, into, into preaching the gospel. Um, so I have a four-year degree behind my name that I've never used. Um, but I, I learned, you know, while I was studying for that degree that the law, even though it is so wonderful and so necessary, um, the law cannot change a human heart. You know, and it doesn't matter what laws one has in place in a nation, what penalties um, if somebody's heart has been snagged by the devil, um, they will do evil, um, they will hurt, um, they will wound, they will lash out. It's only Jesus who can change a human heart. It's only our Jesus who can change the world. 
Um, he truly is the only hope um, and the only one who the world can turn to if the world would move from darkness into the light. Um, so at least that statement, the world needs Jesus, is true through and through. Without him, there is no hope. Without him, there is nothing but nothingness. Um, he is the source of every good thing, the father of every good thing, the father of light. Um, and we need to preach him with everything that we have. Obviously, you worked, um, if, if you can hear me okay, you, um, before setting up your ministry, uh, you worked with, alongside Renard Bonke for CFAM for one year. Tell us a bit about um, what experience you had and, and what sort of passion that put into you working along one of the, the great all-time evangelists. And that, that was a, an incredible privilege, Luke, you know, to, to work for Christ Formations for a, for a year. Um, and it's actually quite a story, you know, how I ended up there. Um, you know, I had you know, loved the Lord, you know, my, my whole life, received him, received him as Savior at the age of five, you know, grew up in the church, um, fell in love with him as a teenager, um, always felt a pull into ministry, um, but always assumed that it would be to other believers. Um, because I had never really known what it was like to be without Christ. I didn't think that the Lord could ever use me, you know, to, to win somebody for him. Um, I, I had no experience, <laughs> you know, in, in, that, in that regard. You know, I didn't know what it was like to be without Jesus. Um, and all the evangelists who I knew um, were, were men with histories, you know, that they, they had experienced darkness. Um, and I'd never known darkness. You know, I was a church girl. I was a, a Jesus girl. Um, and, you know, started studying law straight out of school, you know, remained sensitive to the Lord with regards to the direction, you know, that he had for my life um, and whatever he wanted to call me to, to achieve for him. Um, and my mother had befriended the, the Southern African director of Christ Formations, a woman called Tia Brits. Um, who remains a Southern African director of CFAN, is actually now my mother-in-law. Um, and my mother had befriended this, this woman through a mutual friend. Um, and, and Tia invited my mom to go with on one of the crusades as a guest. My mother had always wanted to, to attend a Christful Nations crusade. Um, it was an invitation to Nigeria, to the city of Abuja, to attend the crusade there. Um, and my mother didn't want to go alone. She wanted a, a roommate. Um, so I tagged along as a third-year law student, um, you know, as my, my mom's buddy. Um, and it was at that crusade that I first experienced true mass evangelism. Um, and I'll never forget Evangelist Ronald Bonker commenting to the guests on the first night and actually apologizing um, and saying he's so sorry that the crowd is so small. He promises it will grow. And at that stage, the crowd was 100,000 strong. And I still remember thinking, you know, gosh, this German has lost the plot. You know, <laughs> this, is, this, is a, yeah. this is a massive crowd of people. You know, the most people that I had, had ever seen, you know, exceeding even the crowds I'd seen at rugby games, you know, back in South Africa. Um, and, you know, on that, on that first night, um, the Lord just wrecked me, absolutely wrecked me. You know, I, I started sobbing uncontrollably, you know, during his message. Um, something in me was connecting to what this man was doing. Um, I didn't understand it because up until that day, and I say this to my never-ending shame, but up until that point, I had not won one soul for Christ. Um, I, I was a closet Christian. I loved Jesus. I genuinely loved Jesus. 
Um, and I've you know, heard some preachers say that you cannot truly love Jesus and not preach him to the lost while well, you can. I genuinely loved him. Um, but I, I was shy. I was introverted. Um, I, I didn't want to speak to people you know, about him. It was completely out of my comfort zone. I, I didn't even know where to start. Um, so at that crusade, the Lord called me, you know, and he spoke very clearly to my heart, not with an audible voice, but with a voice, gosh, that was so clear um, that I, I, I cannot, I cannot ever doubt that it was him speaking to me. Um, and he said, Tamron, this is what I've called you to do. You know, this crusade evangelism, crusade evangelism in Africa, this is your calling. This is why I created you in your mother's womb for this purpose, for this intent, and for this mission. Um, and I returned back to South Africa very shell-shocked, um, not really sure what to do next, where to start. I still had a, a year and a half or so to go of my law degree. I had a, a very honest conversation with my, my wonderful father. I said, Daddy, the Lord has spoken. You know, this is what he wants me to do. We came to an agreement that I would finish the degree and then I could launch out with his blessing. Um, so I, I started, you know, while I was studying to preach, to share the gospel. Um, I, I, I floundered about at the beginning. I didn't really know how to go about it. You know, stumbling over my words, uncertain. I started approaching the, the car guards um, in, the, in the car parks, you know, there in South Africa. Um, you know, we have a little bit of a, a crime problem. So we have, you know, guys in the, in the car parks, you know, who watch the cars. So I would approach them, you know, you know very bluntly. Oh, do you know Jesus? <laughs> Can I tell you about Jesus? Why are you going to heaven, you know, when you die? Um, and the Lord was so gracious to me, you know, and to my, my surprise, you know, they would accept him. Um, you know, and I would, I would walk away shell-shocked, you know, jumping up and down in my heart, you know, saying the gospel works, the gospel works. You just have to share Jesus, you know, and Jesus saves. You know, I would go to the, the petrol stations, um, you know, with the petrol attendants, you know, in South Africa we have, you know, guys who help us fill up our cars, you know, with petrol, we're very spoilt. Um, and I would approach them, you know, and witness to them. I would go to the schools and start speaking to the kids either class by class or, you know, in the assemblies and started sharing with the kids about Jesus, just started finding my feet, you know, sharing the gospel, started falling in love with witnessing, started becoming more and more confident, you know, because at the end of the day, you know, witnessing is, is scary, you know, especially for, for those of us who are more introverted than extroverted. I mean, for, yeah. for introverts, it's intimidating to, you know, order a cup of coffee, you know, let, let alone share, share your faith with someone, um, you know, so it's, it's scary, you know, but as you do it more and more, you find your feet, you know, you learn to flow with the Holy Spirit, you, you start realizing more and more that it has got very little to do with you, you know, as long as you open your mouth and you share with love and sincerity, um, God can work wonders, you know, and he can do the rest. Um, so I graduated, um, bought a tent, a thousand-seater tent, started having my own crusades, um, didn't know what I was doing. Um, you know, I, 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 I did that for a year, um, struggling terribly, um, you know, wanting to give up every day, um, completely unsure about every decision, about every step I was taking. Um, and I, I think the Lord saw and he took pity on me. Um, and that's when Tia phoned me um, and said, Tamron, 
you know, we're having a big conference in Cape Town for CFAM. Why don't you come and help us, you know, plan the conference? Um, and, you know, for me, it was a, a lifeline, um, yeah. you know, opportunity to learn, you know, how to properly um, run an evangelistic ministry, you know, how to properly organize events. Um, and I grabbed the lifeline, ended up working for CFAM in full time for a year, um, learning the ropes. Um, it was my, my training. Um, and then after that, I, I launched out um, full time into Inner's Name Ministries. Um, and yes, I've, uh, I've, been, I've been running ever, ever since. That's absolutely uh, fantastic, Tamron. You know, um, the experiences we can have sometimes, it's, uh, can you imagine if you actually went into becoming a lawyer rather than an evangelist, how many souls would have not been um, stolen back from the devil and, uh, and put back into heaven because you'd have become a lawyer instead of a, an evangelist. <laughs> Look, you know, you know what? One one thing I've I I know um, none of us are irreplaceable. You know, if I had said no, the Lord would have used someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I would have missed out. Um, you know, and I know the Lord would have blessed me. I would have been a, a great lawyer. Um, I would have you know lived the, the 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 simple life of a beautiful house and a nice car and you know two two point five kids and a white picket fence. Um, you know, but I. And the Lord would have loved me and I would have loved him, but I would have, I would have stood before him one day and uh, I would have received a well done, good and faithful servant, but it would have been a well done, good and faithful servant. But, you know, there was so <laughs> much, there was so much that I wanted you to do um, and you were not willing. Um, and I, I would have regretted it for eternity. Um, that's, that's for sure. Um, so I'm very glad for, for my sake um, that, I, that I said yes. You know, and, and, uh, and, I, and I say this, you know, as an encouragement, you know, to everybody tuning in. Um, you know, God calls us into wild places. He calls us completely out of our comfort zones. Um, you know, and we might think, you know, because it is something um, that makes us feel scared, something that makes us feel uncomfortable, that it's not him calling. Um, but, but it is. He calls us to step out on the water. And if we say no, the Lord will move on to the next person. Um, and we will regret it. The Lord will still love us. He'll still bless us. He's our father. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't forsake us. Um, but we will lose out. Um, and I, I will never regret me saying yes to the Lord. Um, it's, a, it's a wild ride. And it's incredibly challenging. Um, and it is not an easy journey. Um, but it is beyond fantastic. Um, and I, I, I would not be doing anything else, even if the Lord now gave me a choice and he said, Tamron, I can change your call, you know, if you want it to be changed, anything you want, you know, I can, I can change it officially. Um, no regrets. Um, I would say, no, Lord, you know, I, I couldn't. Um, I, I could not do anything else after I've tasted this. Wow, wow. Uh, it humbles you, I think, really, sometimes to think, like you said, God can have other people lined up and uh, I remember when God called me um, over 15 years ago and start preaching the gospel and I preached the gospel on weekends every holiday day to had and then last year we went full-time and I took the step of faith and it's the best thing I've ever done I mean lockdown happened and all sorts but I've been preaching before I was an evangelist before I ever became a full-time minister at, shall we say but I remember God giving me a vision um, all them years ago and he showed a row of different people 
and I think it was 12, a bit like he did with David. You know, they had 12 bros, but I think there were 12 people. And God started working down the line, and it came to me. He said, Luke, there were another 11 people before you, but they all said no. And what you've just said just reminded me of that vision that these guys have missed out on what the calling that they had. And, and I mean, I don't know if it was 11 or just a representation for my purposes. And I felt, number one, I felt humbled. I thought, God can just use anybody. Um, he can pick anybody up. And I mean, I'm nothing special, but I say it on this show all the time, um, Tamlin, I tell people, I'm nothing special. The only thing I've done different to them who are watching is I've said, yes, I'm available. Um, you know, how do, I, how do we see the salvations? How do we see the miracles? Well, we just put his hand up and say, hey, God, use me however you can. I'm a vessel that needs to be molded for you. And it's just really encouraging what you've said there that, you know, you weren't particularly looking for it. You were more introvert than extrovert. But actually you said yes. And where I want to move on to next time, and I want you to explain some of the crusades, what you see in them crusades and the importance of the gospel campaigns, the change in people's lives after them. Because in the UK particular, and I know a lot of people from the UK are logging in, so it'll encourage them. We're a little behind in the mass gathering side of things. And some people would even say, you know, we shouldn't really be doing them. But I'm one of them who said we should be seeing large gatherings and large salvations and altar calls. So I want you to encourage some of us in the UK um, about the importance of mass gatherings and, and, and the power that comes with it. Mm -hmm. Well, Luke, I mean, uh, you know, the, the advantage of a mass gathering is, I suppose, quite simple. You know, it's that the gospel message that goes out, you know, doesn't just impact one person, you know, like in one-on-one -on -one evangelism, but the, the one message impacts thousands. You know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's efficiency. <laughs> that's it's what you know it, it really is you know good good old-fashioned efficiency um you know it, it's um and you know the world is going to be one for jesus you know through a combination of the two you know yes the mass gatherings um you know but also the the one-on-one -on -one. um you know there, there are a lot of people that will never attend a mass gathering um you know they won't attend out of their own free world that they won't be invited to one you know they're going to be one for the Lord, you know, through the, the old fashioned one on one, um, you know, that, that marketplace street evangelism, um, which is absolutely essential. Um, you know, but, but the, the mass evangelism, you know, I'm, I'm a crusade evangelist. I'm, I'm terribly biased, you know, towards it. And it, it's, um, it, it, it is the most wonderful method, you know, because one gospel message, um, is preached and hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands, you know, are catapulted. Um, into the kingdom of, of heaven, you know, one prayer for healing is prayed, you know, not just one set of blind eyes opens, you know, but multiple, you know, sets of blind eyes open, um, you know, not just, not just one person, you know, who cannot walk, you know, jumps up, you know, and starts kicking, you know, but, but multiple people, um, it's, 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 it's efficiency, you know, um, and, you know, you, it, it's really a, a wave, you know, that hits the crowd. A wave of salvation, a wave of healing, um, a wave of deliverance, um, and you know, I think the Lord also gets more glory, you know, in a way, um, because one can take none of the credit. You know, no hands are laid on anyone. Um, you know, no individual prayers are prayed. You know, you pray from the stage, and the Lord does the work. You know, He's the one in the crowd. You know, touching the people, 
ministering to them, um, you know, warning them, healing them, setting them free. You know, it's his hands that are laid and only his hands. And I'm not against the laying of hands. I mean, any chance I get to lay on hands, I'll lay on hands. You know, but in, in, in the crusades that we have, you know, you actually can't lay on hands because there would be a, a stampede. You know, because everybody wants hands laid on them and you would have a, a serious problem. Um, you know, so we can't lay hands on, on anyone. You know, so the Lord really needs to do the, the hand work, you know, and the leg work. Um, and we, we just stay on stage and proclaim his name. Um, and, and he gets the, the job done. You know, so I think in a mass gathering, you know, he gets the glory um, in a very special way. You know, because people see the evangelist on stage didn't touch me. You know, who touched me? Jesus must have touched me. Um, and it's always so beautiful when they come on stage and testify. Um, you know, and of course, salvation is the most ex precious miracle of all. You know, but when they come on stage and they testify about healing, um, and they'll say, Jesus healed me. Jesus healed me. Because they know no one touched them. It must have been Jesus. You know, there's no confusion. Um, you know, whereas if somebody laid hands on them, you know, sometimes there is a bit of confusion. Oh, the pastor prayed for me, or, oh, you know, the man of God or the woman of God prayed for me. You know, at a mass gathering, there's, there's no confusion. You know, Jesus touched me, Jesus touched me. Um, and we just sit back and we, we enjoy, you know, with everybody else and we hear the stories and we hear what the Lord has done um, and, we, and we rejoice together. Um, so so mass, mass evangelism is, is very special. Um, and, you know, and in, you know, in countries that have been labelled, you know, like you said, the UK has been labelled, or you know, the, it's not the time for mass evangelism. It's not a nation, you know, that embraces mass evangelism. We, we need to fight against that. You know, I don't, I don't believe that's the truth at any nation. I mean, you obviously have certain nations that are completely closed for the gospel, and the church is underground. You know, obviously in those nations, you know, one can't and um, have events, you know, public events, you know, on mass and preach the gospel. Um, you know, but in nations that have freedom of religion, um, mass evangelism, I believe it is, it is just waiting for somebody to step out and say, let's try. Let's organize an event. Um, let's try. You know, and you, you start small, start with a mass event of 10, you know, then you move to 50, then you move to 100, then you move to a few hundred and a few thousand, you know, and, 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 it, and it grows. You know, so as the Lord sees that there is faithfulness and there's commitment. Um, so one has to start, one has to get going. Um, and, and I believe anybody who starts, the Lord will run with them um, and, and the Lord will use them um, mightily, more mightily than they could ever, ever have imagined. Um, so today is the day for mass evangelism and one-on-one, -on -one, both. You know, the two must go together. Um, you know, we don't say no to, to either method. I mean, media evangelism. I mean, we're on, we're on media right now, you know, online. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's incredibly powerful, especially in this, this time, you know, with this pandemic. I mean, media evangelism has, you know, kind of led the charge, you know, during this, this period. Um, so there's so many different methods, so many different ways to win souls for Jesus. You know, we cannot exclude any of them. You know, we shouldn't label one country with one method and another country with another method. You know, that's that's boxing God. We don't we don't box God. We say, you know, the Lord use us. You know, we're going to dream big. We're going to think big. We're never going to think small. Um, and and we we let ourselves be used by God in whatever way He wants to use us.
Wow, wow. That's so encouraging because uh, my heart is for that. And, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. We, we've got, in the UK, we've got really good at street evangelism. I mean, I can go in pretty much any town centre in the UK and one-on-one -on -one evangelism, there'll be people I've never met before. They'll have the signs, they'll have the leaflets, they'll be telling people about Jesus leading to Christ. And it's so precious. And the miracles are increasing on, on the street. But I think, like you said, if we just faithfully begin, and I, I mean, it'd be great if you could share a bit how it began for you um, mm -hmm. to give us a bit of encouragement, because I'm sure it didn't start with a mass crusade. It probably started on the street corner preaching to 10 and 20. So uh, just let us know a bit about that, because we are good at street evangelism, and it could be it's just one little ingredient that takes us mm -hmm. to the next step that you've got for us, a little key that can unlock the UK and everyone who's watching. So let us know how it started for you, Tamarin, so we can feed off of your experience. Yeah. Indeed, Kana, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, I started off with a with one-on-one -on -one, um, and, uh, you know, and in the little groups, you know, I remember at the, at the petrol stations, you know, the gas stations, like our American friends would say, you know, often, you know, I would, you know, gather a little group, you know, if they're on cars, you know, I'd, you know, that need to be serviced, I would call, you know, the car guards together, or, the, you know, the, the petrol pump attendants together, you know, and, uh, you know, have a little, a little mini crusade, you know, to, so to speak, you know, with, with, you know, 10 or 15 or so, um, you know, and that, that really got my heart going because, you know, if one's been called to mass evangelism, um, the one-on-one -on -one is fantastic, but it doesn't satisfy you. You know, you, you, you're looking, you're looking for the, for the crowds. The Lord's put it, put it in you. Um, you know, and it's, it's not something to be, to be ashamed of. I mean, I, I remember making that statement once, you know, saying that, you know, the one-on-one -on -one evangelism didn't satisfy me. And I remember I passed his face, you know, he was looking at me in horror. You know, we're after the one, the one doesn't satisfy you. You know, what is this? You know, this is not the heart of God. And I understand, you know, where, where he was coming from. Um, but if the Lord's called one to mass, he makes sure you're not satisfied with the one-on-one. -on -one. Otherwise, you would stay there. You know, you, you, you wouldn't try, you know, to reach the masses um, because you would be perfectly content just on the streets going from one person to another person. So he puts that, that dissatisfaction, you know, within you, um, you know, and, and I, was, I was not satisfied. Um, you know, I, I loved seeing people come to Jesus, but I wasn't satisfied. Um, you know, so I, I started, you know, with my, my first little crusade and my first little crusade, you know, I remember I managed to get four churches to work with me. You know, at that stage, I mean, gosh, I was, I mean, I was in my early 20s, you know, young, young, bouncing blonde, you know, nobody took me seriously, you know, especially not, um, not pastors. Um, and I managed to get four pastors to work with me in a very poor community. Um, you know, I, I, had, I had no finances, um, I had no money, you know, to put on a proper event. Um, so I remember from Monday to, to Thursday, um, we had... An, an evening crusade meeting in each of the churches. So Monday we started with the first church, Tuesday the next church, Wednesday the next church, Thursday the next church. They supplied the ashes. You know, the sound system was already in the church, so I didn't need to cover the cost for that. You know, their congregation members would invite the lost. Um, and I mean, these were tiny meetings. I mean, they were tiny churches. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think any of the churches, you know, had more than, you know, I don't know, a hundred, you know, members. They, they, were, they were small. Um, you know, and then on the Friday and the Saturday evenings, we then rented the local community hall, um, you know, which was very cheap to rent, um, borrowed a sound system from one of the churches, and then we all got together, you know, on the Friday night and the Saturday night. 
and I mean low budget. I think I printed, you know, a few flyers. Um, and I actually still have one of the flyers. You know, I'll never throw that flyer away. It's so so precious to me. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was, you know, we, we had we had crusade. Um, you know, and it was I, I was I was on 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 top of on top of the moon. I was so so excited. You know, I mean, the the crowd was obviously not as as big as I wanted it to be on the Friday and the Saturday. Um, you know, but but I knew, you know, I was I was doing what the Lord had called me to do. I mean, I, I knew if I was just faithful, you know, He would He would grow, He would grow the crowds, He would grow the crusades. Um, you know, when I I bought the the little tent, that thousand seater tent, and when they say a thousand seater tent, it doesn't really seat a thousand, you know, because by the time you have a little stage in there and you know space for an altar call. You know, you, you, you've culled, you know, a few hundred chairs. So it could probably seat about 700 or so. But I struggled to fill that tent. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget, you know, one of the first services I had in that tent. I mean, I don't even think the, the front row was full. I mean, it, it, was, it was an absolute disaster. You know, I, I felt so discouraged, so disappointed. Um, you know, but I, I preached faithfully. You know, people got saved, prayed for the sick, people got healed. Um, and I just carried on. I just, I just didn't give up. Um, you know, it took, it took a while to, to fill that tent. Um, yeah. you know, crusade after crusade, you know, putting in the effort, um, trying, trying to, trying to learn, um, trying to, to learn how to plan, you know, these mass events. Um, did crusades in community halls as well. Um, struggled to fill community halls. I mean, Samuel, who you know was already, on board with me back then. I mean, that was gosh, ten years ago or so. Um, we couldn't fill a community hall <laughs> doing the two of us working <laughs> so hard. Um, you know, it, it was it was challenging. Um, you know, open air. You know, a couple of hundred chairs couldn't fill them. Um, you know, I remember our, our first our first crowd of a thousand people. Um, I was I was thrilled. You know, I couldn't couldn't believe it. Um, you know, and the, the, the Lord took his time with us. Um, I mean, to, for, for us to have the first thousand saved during an entire crusade took years yeah. and years of hard work. Um, it, it wasn't, wasn't easy for us at all. It wasn't easy for the MSN team. We worked hard, you know, and, and today, you know, we see tens of thousands saved in a single crusade. Wow. Um, you know, we, 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 we know. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, that the tens of thousands are going to be saved. You know, we've, we've reached that point now, that next step, you know, and the next level is going to be hundreds of thousands saved, you know, in a, in a single crusade, you know, and then we'll move on to the millions, you know, I've got no doubt. Um, you know, but, but it takes time, baby steps. Um, I mean, like when I was still studying, um, I held a crusade on a university campus, you know, got together with the local Christian association, um, we organized a little crusade, you know, a tiny speaker system, you know, a little Christian band, you know, a few posters stuck up around campus, a few flyers handed out, um, you know, tiny crowd. I think maybe 20 people got saved, but it was a crusade, you know, and the, the Lord saw that. Um, so, you, you know, you start, whether it's having a crusade in a church, you know, in a little community hall, on a university campus, in a tent, you start. And you're faithful, um, and it's going to take time. Um, you know, and unfortunately today, um, people want quick success. Yeah. Um, I mean, people joke about the McDonald's, you know, generation. Everything's quick, everything's instant. Um, I mean, my, my husband and I, 
you know, we, we, you know, mentor many young evangelists and they want overnight success. You know, they want to go from, you know, not preaching to anybody, you know, to preaching to crowds of thousands, tens of thousands. Um, wow. And they, they don't understand. It's, it's not the way the Lord works. Um, he wants faithfulness. He wants you to prove yourself faithful with the small. You know, he's building a skyscraper, you know, not a country house. It takes time. You know, he puts mm. down the foundations. He, you know, he, he, he reinforces. Um, it, it, it's, it's a time-consuming process. Um, there's a lot of patience, a lot of long-suffering involved. You know, I always, you know, read that, that verse, you know, in, in, in Colossians, first chapter of Colossians, you know, that speaks about, you know, God empowering us with his might for all patience and long-suffering. Yeah. And it always amazing, you know, it doesn't say, you know, he's going to now empower us through his spirit for signs and wonders and, you know, the power of preaching. You know, it says he's going to, you know, empower us for patience and long-suffering. Yeah. Because um, it is all about patience and long-suffering um, and, and endurance and faithfulness. And people don't want to hear that. Um, but it takes yeah. time. And if you don't step out and you're not prepared to start with the small, um, small beginnings and push through and not give up if you're not prepared to go through disappointment after disappointment after disappointment um, you know you may as well quit now um, because <laughs> there's no overnight success in the kingdom um, and when it does happen um, you know very often you know that that dear person is like a shooting star you know and they and they fizzle up quickly um, mm. you know, what, a, what a tragedy um, yeah. you know, the, the world's into the long term, not the short term. Um, yeah. so we start, and um, and he and he does the rest. He grows. We faithful. We work hard. We we committed. Um, we prove ourselves to be faithful servants, um, and then and then he can use us. Um, but we need to be proved faithful, and unfortunately, faithfulness is proven through hardship um, and through devotion. When it's not fun, when it's rough. Um, when there is not much sign of success, that's when we are proven faithful. Um, successes do not prove us faithful. Anybody can be faithful when they're successful. Um, faithful, faithful stewards, um, they remain stuck to the call, even when there is no fun in the call whatsoever. Um, they do it for the love of the Lord and not wanting to let down the, the master of us all. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic, Tim, and that's so encouraging to hear. Um, and I think a lot of people do need to hear it, like you say, we're in that culture of fast food, fast everything. We have something called pop idol over here, and I think when that started, uh, all these stars were popping up everywhere. And it's the same in the, I mean, the Christian faith to a certain extent followed suit. All the young budding evangelists and preachers and pastors, they just wanted to pop up like this. Uh, and I understand completely where you're coming, and uh, I think it says in the scriptures, don't despise uh, the, the small beginnings, you know. And uh, I think sometimes that's what people do. They want to be, and with Facebook, Instagram, all these social networks, people do. They get projected to these higher levels, and it, it is sad to see when, when the focus, they've shot up too quick, and uh, the gifting's all from God. And um, I think I was talking to someone today about it this morning on a phone call, and I said, the thing is, it's such a shame. People don't realize the gifting's nothing about us. It's all about Jesus. The gifting's given to us freely. And if you remove the gifting away, what's left? Obedience, um, 
determination, you know, like you said, long suffering. They're the things that we're sort of in control of. The gifting will always come if we're just obedient to God. And um, sometimes people have, you know, they, they want everyone to know how gifted they are when the reality is, is I want to know how humble you are, how devoted you are. And, uh, and I loved how you brought it. You know, you didn't start off with the, the tens of thousands like you see now. Sometimes you did get disappointed, but God were looking, hang on, what's she going to do with this? Actually, I'm more determined now. I'm more determined than ever. I'm going to get up and I'm going to see even two more next week or two more on the next crusade. And, and, and I love it. It's the kingdom heart, you know, that we just go after the souls. And it's all about going after what God wants. And, uh, you know, I, I love how you said I'm not satisfied with the ones and twos and it, it's burning something in me even now for the UK. So anyone out there with a similar heart, a lot of people already know my heart because I say what I'm going to do um, before I actually do it because I declare what I'm going to do. And, and I've, I've been building and building and building to do more open air stuff. And I do a lot as it is in the UK, but I want to do more next year. And I want to break that mentality, just like you probably had to do in the regions you were, break that mentality from people saying we can't gather in the masses. Yes, we can. You know, we've heard it from Tamron who's experienced. Yes, we can, United Kingdom. We can see revival in the United Kingdom. So, Tamron, that brings us on to revival. Everyone's opinion of revival is different. Sometimes it's thrown away so loosely. What do you feel um, revival is and what's it look like to you, um, uh, in your opinion? Mm. It's, it's always an interesting word, Luke. I think it's so interesting, you know, because we don't, you know, we don't find it, you know, in the in the New Testament. You know, the, yeah. you know, Bible doesn't doesn't define it. Um, you know, and like you say, you know, so many people have different opinions. Um, you know, for me, for me, revival. Um, you know, it shouldn't actually be necessary. I mean, mm -hmm. we as believers should be on fire. Um, I mean, we are, after all, you know, blood washed, spirit filled. Um, God Himself is in us. Um, we shouldn't be cold. We shouldn't be lukewarm. Um, we should always be permanently hot, um, yeah. you know, so, so Christians needing to be revived, you know, you've, you've already got a problem there, you know, but, uh, but, but unfortunately, you know, in the, in the world, the parts of the world where there isn't persecution, um, you know, mm. Christians have got incredibly lazy um, yeah. and incredibly comfortable with God, um, you know, and he's in their Sunday box, um, and when they go through a difficult time, they'll call out to him. Um, but the rest of the time, they pay him no attention. Um, you know, and this is a this is a plague. You know, in in the Western world, you know, we can say, or in the, you know those parts of the world in which there is no persecution of believers, and um, because in those parts of the world where there is persecution, um, you cannot be a lukewarm believer. Um, it, you you can't. Um, you are hot, or you are nothing. Um, yeah. there's, there's no there's no alternative you know to being hot um, you know so so for me you know revival is when Christians are who God meant Christians to be um, you know we are devoted to him we are intimate with him um, we, we spread the good news um, we open our mouths and we speak and we think of others before ourselves we are selfless you know as believers um, and we, we, we live for God. Um, you know, the, the, the world has become so selfish. 
and I'm shocked how selfish Christians are, how self-centered Christians are. I mean, you just have to look at social media, you know, to, to see how self-centered believers are. Um, you know, and, and, and you know, people say, oh, no, it's just promotion. You know, it, it's, it's, but it's vanity. It's ego. It's yeah. pride. Um, you know, you, you cannot hashtag blessed. And so you're just declaring, you know, what the Lord has, has blessed you with. Um, you know, you're boasting. Um, it, it's, um, it, it, it's scary. You know, we, we need to get back onto our knees in the closet, humble before the, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And say, Lord, what do you want? What is on your heart? Um, I lay down my dreams, my vision for my own life, what I think you have called me to achieve for you. Um, what do you want? Why have you made me? And you let every dream that you have ever had for your life die. And if God wants to resurrect it, then he resurrects it. But if he doesn't want to, you let it die and you do not look back. You slaughter the oxen. Um, and you and you pursue um, what he has created you um, to achieve for him. Um, and that is being the lost. That is being the light in the dark place. Um, and, you know, not all of us will shout on a street corner. I was never very good at shouting on a street corner. I'm, I'm fine at a crusade when I have a microphone and it's an organized event. Then I shout with all my heart, um, you know, but on the streets, I'm a quiet witness, but I'll witness you know, but I'll do it at, at my, my volume, you know, yeah. so you don't have to be loud to be bold, you know, but, but we should be shining for the Lord in our workplaces, wherever we go, um, you know, with, with hearts filled with love for those for whom he died to save. Um, so, you know, revival for me is Christians being Christians, and if Christians can be Christians, um, you know, the, the, the city on the hill and the salt of the earth, um, yeah. you know, all, all will fall into place. Um, you know, we, we need to, we need to stir up ourselves. You know, it, it's tragic, you know, that, you know, these so-called revivalists and I hate actually, I don't always like this word revivalist, you know, what it, 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 cause it shouldn't be necessary, you know, CP yeah. Christians, you know, shouldn't exist. Um, you know, but it's, but it's sad, you know, that Christians, you know, wait for the next revivalist, you know, to fire them up. And then they're fiery, you know, for a couple of weeks and then they die down again and then they wait for the next one, you know, and the poor pastor has to bring in revivalist after revivalist after revivalist, <laughs> you know, yeah. to keep their congregation going. Um, you know, it, it, it's tragic. It shouldn't be that way. You know, we should be on fire with him, um, you know, just by spending time with him in, in our prayer closets. You know, maybe that's what it boils down to. Christians aren't spending time with the Lord. Mm. Um, they're either not spending time with him or when they go out into the world, they're not prepared to open up their mouths and share him. Um, wow. You know, the two sides of the coin. I mean, I was in love with Jesus, but I never shared him. Um, and, 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 and really because I didn't understand that I needed to. You know, I, I was, you know, under the impression that evangelism was for the evangelists. You know, and if I wasn't labeled with that label evangelist, you know, that fivefold call, um, then it, it wasn't my responsibility, you know, and I was so deceived. And as soon as I understood, okay, you know, we all need to witness, we all need to share, you know, it was a, it was an absolute light bulb moment for me. And I, and I started, you know, slowly, cautiously, um, you know, but, but I started, I mean, I, I remember, you know, being too shy to say to the waitress, you know, Jesus loves you and just write it on the, on the slip, 
you know, the receipt, you know, and handed it to her with a big smile. Um, you know, but I started. Um, you know, so so as believers, we need to understand that it's our responsibility, the responsibility of every believer to win the lost, to be a light, to shine, to represent him well, to open our mouths and share about Jesus, not just to represent him in our actions, but to share about him as well. And we need to do both um, because there's a lot of believers who, gosh, the way they behave um, doesn't doesn't do Christ any credit. You know, they they stingy and they they bitter um, and they they snap at people. You know, so we need to fix that. You know, the way we are, the way we behave, um, but we need to open our mouths and share Him. So we need to get that right, and then we need to get our time with Him right. We need to mm-hmm. spend time with the Lord, one on one with Him. Um, wow. You know, just us and Him, um, and and that's. That gosh, that will keep you on fire. If one can get those two right, um, well, well, one could never be warm. It's impossible. And, you know, these revivalists won't be needed. They'll be out of a job, you know, which will be a wonderful thing, um, an absolutely wonderful thing. Um, you know, we should, we should remain revived 24-7. It should be our permanent state of being. It should be our constant. Um, you know, we need to be the Christians who Christ died to, to birth. Um, and he didn't die to birth pathetic, um, you know, sad little things. You know, he died to birth an army of glorious, righteous children of the Most High, shining like the sun, you know, who the world steps back and they say, what are you? You know, we want this. Um, you are different. What are you? Um, so, yes, revival, an interesting word. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. It's uh, it's really good response to that, Tamrin. And you, you you're right. You know, um, revival shouldn't be needed if the church was alive and, and the people in the church were alive. And uh, and I think it's a common theme that actually revival starts in us. It starts in us, and and um, the end goal is souls. At the end of it, and the reason that we're not seeing as many souls saved is because some of us actually still need reviving because his heart's not given over to God, and we're given little segments of his heart rather than all of his heart. And when it says, and you know, die to yourself and, and and raise again in Jesus, take up your cross and follow him. Do you actually know what that means? You know, you want to see the salvation. There's no quick fix. There's no. Um, little loophole in the laws in the Bible where you can get famous and get known without actually going through ABC step. And that's the first step is just being close to God. And I love the scripture you brought up. I was reading it just before we got on actually in Matthew 5, 13. And I want to read it. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. If you don't keep that saltiness, there's just there's no point to you as a Christian. And then it goes on. You are the light of the world, a city that is set on a hill. It cannot be hidden. So if we're true light and we, we're truly on, in love with Jesus, that light should shine and, and your character will be okay because actually it says God only chastises or God only... And you're, addresses them that he loves and God loves you today and and he wants to challenge you and I think what Tamlin's brought today if any of you are getting offended by it you shouldn't be offended your heart's too cold it should be open it should be warm it might go ouch actually I needed to hear that but 
you should be able to swallow it because if not, you're still on the, the milk and God wants you to move on to the meat. You can't stay a baby Christian all your life. And I think that sums up what Tamlin's trying to say. Revival shouldn't really be needed because we should all be kindling that fire inside of us. But unfortunately, we understand as evangelists, we have to go and stir up the troops and shake you a little bit as well as evangelists. But, you know, if you listen to this, you should be already stirred, you know. Jesus has done so much for you just by dying on the cross. He doesn't need to give you anything else. Jesus has given you everything he needed to give you when he died on that cross and he shed that blood for you. Well, Tamlin, as time's nearly up, but before we go, if you can pray for, for people and just release a prayer on any budding evangelist, anybody who maybe needs that bit of revival inside that wake-up call, that shaking, and just release a, like something over them to wake them up, shake them up. And for anybody who's watching who's already revived and just needs to take that next step in their evangelism, mass crusade, and particularly us in the UK, Tamlin, we need help. We need to help to get rid of fear and we need more boldness in us so you can just finish by praying over us all and, and releasing that blessing of course of course let's uh, close eyes and pray together precious jesus we love you thank you for giving yourself up for us and we give ourselves up again for you jesus take our lives and use us to work wonders. We lay down any preconceived notions that we have regarding our futures. We lay down any dreams we may have for our own lives. And we say, Jesus, please, you know why you have formed us. You know why we are here, why we have been born, Lord, into this world for such a time as this. Lord, shake us up, Holy Spirit. Remind us that we are filled with the Almighty God. Open up our spiritual eyes that we may see that we are blazing torches, that we are saturated with the Spirit of the Almighty, that we are anointed that we are appointed, that we drip with all the power of heaven. And all that is necessary is for us to step out of our comfort zones, open up our mouths and share with someone, anyone, that Jesus loves them and Jesus saves. Help us to understand that it has got very little to do with us, that if we would just give you our words, if we would just cooperate and speak, you will do the rest. Jesus, I thank you for a boldness that would come upon every viewer. Lord, the disciples in the early church, they prayed for boldness. Lord, let that same boldness that descended upon them descend upon us. Lord, let us not think about ourselves at all. Let us not think about anything but 
you and those who you died to save and who do not know you yet. Lord, strip us of any ego, any pride, any selfish ambition, anything that will keep us from stepping out and sharing you with others, anything that can cloak our lamps with a layer of dust, Lord. Remove the dust, dust us off. We humble ourselves before you, Jesus. We repent. We repent of missing those opportunities when we should have stepped out and said something and we held back. We repent. Help us. Make us sensitive to your voice, Holy Spirit. Let us see those opportunities clearly. Prompt us. Let us feel your promptings within us like a, a billowing, uh, a battle cry that we cannot ignore. And let us be obedient to those promptings. And I thank you. At the other side of our obedience, we would see salvations and healings and deliverances. Lord, I pray for those who feel called to mass evangelism, who feel you pulling them into that direction. Lord, show them what the next step is, whether it be to hold a meeting, a crusade meeting in their local church, whether it be to hold a a meeting in a community hall on uh, a college campus, Lord. Show them that next step. Open the doors. Lead and guide them, Lord. Let them be faithful with the small. Let no disappointment ever lead to them stopping, Father. But take them step by step deeper and deeper into the waters until they are swimming with you, my Father, in an ocean of souls. Lord, I thank you, especially for the UK. I thank you that your hand is heavy upon that nation. We rebuke the hold that the coronavirus has upon the UK. In the name of Jesus, you foul corona. You bow your knee before the cross of Christ. We rebuke you by the name that is above every other name. You take your filthy fingers off of that nation. We thank you, Lord, that the infection rate will drop. We pray for every person who has been infected. They will not die, but they will live to declare that God is good and he is merciful, and he is the healer. I thank you that the churches in the UK soon will be back operating at full force, that, Father, this pandemic will cause hundreds of thousands to flood the churches in the UK. As soon as those churches open back up, they will be flooded with people saying, we now realize that life is uncertain and we need to know where we are going to go when we die. We need God, Lord. Turn this pandemic. Lord, turn what the devil has intended for evil into absolute good, Father God. 
we thank you for that. That testimony after testimony will arise. So Lord, we thank you for this time together. We thank you that we have been encouraged, that we have been challenged, that you are kicking every one of us, myself included, out of whatever comfort zone we have ended up in, that we would never not be revived, Lord, that we would, every one of us, be in a permanent state of revival because you have not created us to be lukewarm. You have certainly not created us to be cold. You have created us to burn for you, to burn, to be in a permanent state of supreme brightness, Father, a brightness that cannot be hidden, Lord, under any basket, but that will shine as that city on the hill. So we love you, Jesus. We love you, Father. We love you, Holy Spirit. We are yours, your servants, your main servants, your maid servants. We live for you. We breathe for you and we will die for you. Amen and amen. 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 Thank you very much, Tamron, that felt the presence of God on that prayer. And you've really, you know, it's been a really good challenge today um, for me as well. I, I think if we're not open to the challenges and, and the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I think it's it's just got my heart beating again even more to get out of this lockdown and, and preach again on the street corners, the highways and the byways. So you've just spurred us on, I think, in the United Kingdom to do more. Um, so thank you very much for joining us. Um, I know it's late where you are, but you are a, a gospel crusade preacher and Going to bed at one, two o'clock is normal for you, so we're all right. Amen. <laughs> forgive us, because <laughs> it's only eight o'clock here, so we've still got another six, seven hours easily, surely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Luke. Absolute privilege chatting to you, and um, go for it. Win the, win the UK for Jesus, and after the UK, you can spill over into Europe and just keep on going. Come, come visit us in Africa as well. <laughs> yeah definitely well thank you i'm just going to speak to them i'll drop you backstage i'll uh, be with you in a few minutes time and thanks again of course